We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Yo, what up, people? KJ Podcast, Thursday morning edition. I have been out all week talking with venture capital firms, angel investors. Blue Wire is very close to getting some seed funding and the ability to kind of scale at a quicker pace. It's been amazing. We have 30 podcasts up and running. Shout out to Eric Crocker. 49ers Twitter, you guys are aware of who he is. NFL defensive back, played in the AFL as well. We're launching press coverage with him. It's going to be a DBs and wide receivers podcast. Exciting times ahead. I know you're here for San Francisco 49ers analysis. We're going to break down the schedule. I think it's a doable schedule if the 49ers win early. They got to come out hot out of the gates because things get really hairy after Thanksgiving. A couple notes. And then like Jimmy G and some people are talking. OTAs is getting ready. Players are back in Santa Clara. The offseason is kind of officially over. because You have the spring program, then you have July off. But 49ers back in the building and there's a couple storylines to get into. Appreciate you guys who listened Monday to Blue Wire Buckets. I'm not going to clog this feed with Blue Wire stuff, but it was debut episode of our new NBA roundtable discussion podcast. So give that a listen. Subscribe. Proud of the NBA guys we have on our team. Influential guys about the Lakers, Warriors. So search Blue Wire and you'll see our full roster. All right. Yeah, let's get into the schedule. Can't believe the NFL waits till 8 o'clock Eastern to release this thing. They'll do anything to get on your television screen and analyze this sport. The schedule was leaking all day. Mayoko had it. Cam Inman had it. And we'll kind of just chunk it up. Because I think Kyle will break up the season in three or four different chunks. Chunk one is week one at Buccaneers, at Cincinnati Bengals week two, and then week three home opener against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then you have the bye week. So 
that's the first chunk of games that Kyle's going to scheme for. And honestly, the Buccaneers having a brand new coach in Bruce Arians, having all their shit buttoned up week one, it's happened before. But I like facing two new coaches, Zach Taylor for the Cincinnati Bengals week two. I don't think you could ask for two easier road games to start the season. Maybe Arizona Cardinals, but you've got Kyler Murray there probably now. So yes, they're road games, but I think both are winnable. I think the 49ers could realistically be 2-0 and headed into uh, the home opener against the Steelers. You know, we're not going to get so matchup specific here, but you know the Bengals might be one of the worst teams in the league next year. I don't know how Sean McVay jr is going to do in cincinnati andy dalton is still there it's 2019 we've been talking about getting rid of this guy for four or five years they're just treading water and it seems like they're about to drown yeah and then like i'm not scared of Jameis. even though the buccaneers kind of sliced and diced up the 49ers last year you got to remember reuben foster was arrested the night before the game turns out nothing really happened of it but it was a shell shock the 49ers cut him they came out flat. Nick Mullins had a bad game. I mean, I'm, I'm really not looking at last year's result against the Buccaneers and being like, oh, crap, I'm, I'm scared to play them. They're a very beatable team. Bruce Arians is probably going to be a better coach for them than Dirk Cutter. But, you know, week one, I'm not too worried about it. Then week three, you've got Ben Roethlisberger, Juju coming to town. It's not going to be easy against the Pittsburgh Steelers ever, but they don't have that great of a secondary. And I I think Kyle can do enough that that game will be competitive. We'll have to see how the season plays out. Obviously, these are all projections right now, but Steelers, it's more of a coin flip than some of the other games on the back half of the schedule. I think, you know, they have TJ Watt on defense. They have some pieces for sure, but I'm pretty confident that Kyle can put up 24, 28 points. It's going to be about the 49ers secondary all year. That's a game where if the Steelers win... The 49ers come into that one and one and the Steelers win and destroy the secondary and Big Ben throws for 400 and Juju has two or three touchdowns. That's 100% me going to be like, I wish Earl Thomas was on this football team because he could have prevented some of that damage. So, I mean, you're, you're going to anticipate Pittsburgh throwing all over you and then you're going to have to score more points than them. Week four by week, yeah, it's a little early. 49ers have had them late typically with Kyle the first two years here in November. Now they get their earliest bye week since, I believe, 2002. You don't want it this early. You've just kind of started the season, especially if you're beating Pittsburgh and coming off of it. But then you have your two hardest games of the season back-to-back. I think so. Browns, Monday Night Football. It's going to be absolutely electric. And even if both teams have kind of low records going in, if they don't meet expectations. So this could be a game where the 49ers are 1-2, and the Browns are one and three or two and two. And it's, it's more of a desperate feel because the loser of this is going to be on a short week and the 49ers will have to go to the Rams next Sunday. Um, that this is where the season could fall out of control. If, if you don't start well, if you start one and two and then you lose to the Browns, you're one and three, you're going to the Rams. Oof. This fan base is going to be very upset. The headlines are not going to be positive. I don't care who's playing well. The record is one and three after Buccaneers, Bengals, Steelers, and Browns, you're in trouble. Um, yeah, but I can't wait for Baker and Jimmy G. It's kind of the next wave. Maybe we'll get a really good slugfest and you know, NFL fans will be excited. Obviously, you have to worry about Odell Beckham Jr. Back-to-back-to-back uh, to back to back weeks here, the secondary is really going to be under pressure. Steelers, well, I guess you got the bye week, and then Browns, 
And then, of course, Sean McVay, Jared Goff. Like I said, great thing that they lost the Super Bowl. I'm not as scared of them. Had they beat the Patriots coming into this year, you pencil in automatic loss probably on the road. Interesting offseason for the Rams. They did make some upgrades, but not the splashes that they've typically been making the last couple of offseasons. They got Eric Weddle, two-year, $10 million contract. Um, I'd rather have Eric Weddle as my deep safety than Jimmy Ward, so they're in a better spot there. Dante Fowler, one year, $12 million contract. That was a good trade from the Jaguars. He came in, made a couple big plays down the stretch for them. They gave him a one-year prove-it deal. 49ers obviously acquired D. Ford. Yeah, Rams more cost-conscious. They got Clay Matthews, another veteran. Not exactly sure where he's going to play on the defense. He's lost a little bit of burst, but he's still effective. That was a two-year, $9.2 million contract. And then Blake Bortles is now their backup quarterback just in case. Jared Goff gets hurt. So kind of ho-hum offseason there in L.A. Coming off a Super Bowl loss. Uh, Todd Gurley still going to be a huge storyline headed into the season. Kind of benched in the Super Bowl, in the NFC Championship game. There is going to be a little drama if the Rams don't win. But I'm picking them to win the division right now. Until they have a letdown, it's really hard to predict it. All right, so that was Chunk 2. Chunk 1 was Bucks. Bengals, Steelers, Chunk 2, Browns, and Rams together coming off a of bye week. Those are your two most difficult games. If you can go 1-1 one and one there, you're feeling pretty good. If you go 0-2 oh there, the season's going to start to spiral, spiral out of control. This is where there's a nice little opening here. At Redskins Week 7, Panthers at home Week 8, and then Thursday Night Football at Arizona on Halloween, October 31st for Week 9. These are three winnable games. We don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for the Redskins. They could have a rookie in by that point. They could be tanking this year. Even though their defense is pretty damn good, and they seem to always go 7-9, 8-8 with Jay Gruden. Um, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't like what they have going on offensively. They haven't been the same since Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garçon left, and Sean McVay, Jordan Reed, and Josh Doxson. They just don't have a lot of playmakers. They do have a good O-line. They're starting to get old. Trent Williams is banged up a lot at, at left tackle. Ryan Kerrigan has always been one of my favorite players growing up. You know, geez, I was like still a fan of the team when he got drafted. And he's got, what, 100 career sacks. He's one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Not scared of the Redskins. You guys all know the backstory. Kyle hates Dan Snyder. There'll be a little bit of attention on that as these two have grown so far from that split in 2013. And just Kyle's had a lot more success than the Redskins have, but he still has got a lot to prove as well, and losing would definitely sting there. Then you got Week 8, Carolina coming to town. Season got derailed last year with Cam's shoulder injury. They kind of had a blowout loss Thursday night to the Steelers, and things fell apart. Norv Turner did come in there and make that offense a lot better. They have some playmakers surrounding Cam now. Christian McCaffrey is becoming the weapon that I knew he would be. Maybe not worthy of a high first-round pick. But, yeah, Carolina, they're going to be competitive this year. I'd be shocked if they're bad. They're going to have to start worrying about Cam's injuries, though, for real. This point in the season, week eight, he could be nicked up. He's turning into Ben Roethlisberger a little bit. He's going to have to play with a hurt hand, a bum shoulder. He's just taken a lot of hits over the year, and you could tell as he reaches 30, um, he's going to be playing nicked up, especially later in October. Let's look at their offseason. Yeah, Panthers love Eric Reed. Three-year, $22 million deal. He kind of earned that. Kind of a feisty player. He, uh, he was involved in a lot of dust-ups last year. He's back on the field. I always said I would have kept him around in San Francisco. I think he's a more reliable player than Jaquaski Tart. 
Tart makes big plays on the field, so he shows you flashes of potential, and then it, it's kind of a letdown because he's just never available. Eric Reed could have been helping the secondary. Three years, $22 million. That's That's pretty fair value. Um, Ryan Khalil announced his retirement. Julius Peppers, he wasn't a big impact player anymore. He retired. Um, their big signing was Matt Paredes. Some of these old linemen, it's really hard to keep track of. Three-year, $27 million deal. So they had Ryan Khalil. They also released Matt Khalil. So their their O-line is looking different this year. And I don't know if that's a good thing. They're going to have some younger guys in there. Um, they also signed Bruce Irvin on a prove-it one-year, $4 million deal. So Carolina was really good earlier this decade. Their D was humming. Their D-line was just amazing. Kawan Short. They still have Luke Keekley. Their secondary is always kind of meh. But Carolina should be competitive. And then... The 49ers will get Arizona. We have a pretty good inkling that Kyler Murray is going to be the quarterback there. And we also know Josh Rosen said today his situation is what it is. It's It sucks. It sucks for Josh Rosen. But I do think Kyler Murray has a lot more upside and the Cardinals would be pretty dumb because Josh Rosen is just not going to work in Cliff Kingsbury's system. I think they're still one of the worst teams in the league in 2019. Got to remember, they fucking beat the 49ers twice last year. One time the snap went over CJ Beathard's head. The other time they they walked in. So they did beat CJ Beathard twice. Nick Mullins didn't get a crack at him. But you have got to pencil this in as a win over the Arizona Cardinals. Even on a short week, Thursday night football, going on the road. You lose games to teams like this with rookie quarterbacks and first-year head coaches and not that great of a roster, these are the types of games that people start souring on Kyle and John Lynch. You're going to have to win eight games this season for people to not start getting frustrated. There was just too much losing year one and year two after all the losing from Chip Kelly, after all the losing of Jim Tom Sula. So the fan energy is compounded right now. All the shit that happened before Kyle and John Lynch got here is not their fault. But at this point, like... There's going to be outrage and there's going to be people tweeting at Jed. You, you have to win games like this. Not scared of the Arizona Cardinals at all this year. You've got to sweep them if you're heading in the right direction. So then you'll have the Thursday nighter. So that's the third chunk. Redskins week seven, Panthers week eight, Cardinals week nine. I, I guess, you know what? This is still a chunk too because the last chunk of the season is really hard. You have Monday night football then. November 11th, it gives the 49ers a mini bye week here in the middle of the season. So you go from Thursday night football, October 31st, to Monday night, week 10 against the Seattle Seahawks. And it's at home, so you don't have to go to the road against Seattle. It's obviously going to be Russell Wilson. They had a very interesting offseason. We'll talk about his contract first because Russell Wilson is worth every penny of being the best quarterback in the league. Is he the best quarterback in the league? No, but that's the going price if you have a top 10 guy. I know a lot of 49ers fans don't like him. They don't like his playing style. You could win a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson if everything is clicking right. Their roster just deteriorated. Their window kind of shut. They're trying to crack it back open. They had a pretty good year last season. They just missed the playoffs. But you know Seattle is going to be in that 8-8, eight 9-7 and, eight, nine and seven range as well. This is going to be a pivotal game. Other offseason moves they made... Obviously, the franchise tagged Frank Clark. There's rumors they may trade him now. They're going to have some cap issues with paying Russell Wilson so much guaranteed money. And his cap hits over the year are just insane. I, I haven't seen it all. I'm assuming they're in the 30s every year. I mean, he's the highest paid quarterback in the league. 
he just topped Aaron Rodgers, who topped Matt Ryan. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to end up further and further down the list. And if he's a great damn quarterback, it's going to look like a steal for the 49ers later in the contract. They re-signed KJ Wright. They re-signed DJ Fluker. They, they really made almost no moves in free agency. And Paxton Lynch is now potentially their backup quarterback. They took some flyers on some guys, some future contracts, but really just a blank offseason in Seattle. They're going to obviously count heavily on the draft. They've missed on certain classes here. The last three draft classes have not reaped a ton of rewards. And that's why you've seen them take a step back. You draft Richard Sherman's in the fifth round, yeah, you have a chance of winning a Super Bowl. It's that easy in the NFL. Nail your late-round picks, they become stars. All of a sudden, you're playing in the playoffs every season. All right, then week 11, Cardinals back at home. So, again, you're playing them like two out of three weeks here. It's weird how this works out on the West Coast. But, hey, you don't want to be traveling all the time back there. So you have a couple West Coast cooking games there. That's chunk three of the schedule, which is five games, Redskins, Panthers, Cardinals twice, and Seahawks. You got to go four and two there. Three and three, you're in big trouble. So your record after nine games, the 49ers need to be five and four minimum, and six and three is more likely if they want to make the playoffs. If they're four and five headed into this last stretch, they're not making the playoffs. There's just too many tough games. You're not going to be able to beat all these teams. And let's go into it. Week 12, Packers at home. Week 13, at Baltimore. They're going to be good. Lamar Jackson is not going to shit the bed. That's not going to be a 5-11 football team. They're going to be competitive, and they're going to be hard to beat on the road. Then at New Orleans, you got to consider them a Super Bowl contender. They probably should have been in the Super Bowl last year, thanks to the pass interference call. Their offense is unbelievably dynamic. You're just going to count on the 49ers losing that game on the road. And then, yeah, Atlanta at home. Kyle faces his former team that he helped lead to a Super Bowl berth. That's week 15. They might be really bad. I have a feeling Dan Quinn is on his last year here. He's now the defensive coordinator. Matt Ryan really isn't the problem for them, but he's, he's not leading them to another Super Bowl. They're kind of stuck there. Week 16, up in the air. Could get flexed here. It's Rams at home. You're hoping that game means a ton. And then you have to close at Seattle. And, you know, there, there could be playoff bursts on the line here. There's going to be no gimme games, in my opinion, headed down the stretch. Really, the six hardest games are stacked on top of each other. You have the Cleveland and at L.A. early on, then, then some easy games. And then, my goodness here, this isn't fair. You got Aaron Rodgers, followed by Baltimore's really good defense, followed by Drew Brees, followed by At- Atlanta. It's just not a gimme game. You're going to have to... You're going to have to win that game. It's not going to be easy. And then the Rams and the Seahawks. I mean, can't you throw a Cardinals game down in there? Like sprinkle in some easier ones down there. Maybe even the Bengals down there. It seems like December is going to be an impossible stretch. However, if the 49ers gain some momentum, you know, they they beat the Cardinals, Seahawks, Cardinals. They have a three-game winning streak headed into Green Bay at home. They can build momentum. We've seen this with Jimmy Garoppolo before. It's going to have to be that kind of effect to close the season. Um, and that's why 8-8 eight and 9-7 eight and, and, and barely missing the playoffs is probably my prediction right now. We'll have to see training camp. I have to get more of a vibe. But initial glance at this schedule is the 49ers are just going to miss the playoffs. 
they're not where they need to be in the secondary. I can't count on them stopping quarterbacks. I really can't. Like, I have a feeling Baker could throw for 400 on that game on Monday Night Football. And what are they going to say? You have so much cap room still left. All right, people, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire, we've teamed up with Harry's for the entire year to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Harry's.com slash Blue Wire. You save $10 on a value set trial. You get a five-blade razor. You've got the lubricating strip and trimmer. You get rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover. Bring it on the go, man. That's what I just did in South Carolina. I brought my Harry's with me. Looking sharp for a wedding. You got to do it. You get all this for $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying. Harry's, they fixed shaving. It's combining simple, clean design, durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced, overdesigned. They bought a factory in Germany. It's been making blades for 95 years. They found experts. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your free trial offer. Harry's.com slash blue wire. 100% guarantee. If you don't love it, you'll get a full refund. Again, harrys.com slash blue wire. Redeem your razor for $3 and support our podcasting network. I'm nervous a little bit about this season. I'm not going to lie. Everything hinges on Jimmy G. I I say it all the time. He comes out and balls out. It's December 2017. This team has a chance to go 10 and 6, 11 and 5. If he has some games like he did week two Detroit last year, up and downs, this season's going to be up and down. He can mask flaws. Let's see what receiver they bring in here. Let's see if, how good Nick Bosa is right away. Let's see if Quinn and Williams is the pick. Hard to project the actual record right now, but I don't know. December is going to be very, very difficult. And I'm saying if they prevail in December and beat all these hard teams and make the playoffs, it's going to be a significant hump that this team crossed because they will truly have earned it. Like the playoffs will essentially start December 1st against the Baltimore Ravens. If the 49ers are in contention, the entire month of December is going to feel like the playoffs. I want that feeling so bad. I miss competitive football late in the year. I'm sick of talking about, oh, this and that, and oh, at least they're developing this. Year three, it's effing on. Let's make things happen. All right, so that's the schedule. I'm not going to break down every single team here, but we got in-depth early on and kind of wrapped up. It's hell week to close the season. KJ Podcast, hope you are enjoying it. little Thursday morning edition. I'll try and edit this in the afternoon, get it up for you. Yeah, like I said, a couple other storylines going on. 49ers now meeting. I don't think they're on the practice field yet. I think they're just in the weight room, but they're starting to go over, I'm sure, changes that the training staff's putting in place. I'm sure there's new procedures coming out. Year three. I told you, year three is when I think Kyle is is less jokey. He's always going to make football fun. But I think there's going to be a way more serious tone this year. This could be one of Joe Staley's last seasons playing. You're going to hear funny stories about the 49ers all the time. Kyle does not want it to be hell. But I think there's going to be a certain level of accountability. I think there could be like a major surprise cut in August to put people on their heels. I think Kyle's going to be very strategic, calculated this year, and how he communicates with the players. Because I think accountability... Hasn't been there. This team has big issues to solve in the red zone, has big issues to solve rushing the passer. Kyle's got to be a little more buttoned up. And what is their combined road record? Like 2-14 and 14 the last two years. They have to prove they can win on the road, get on a plane, 
get in a hotel, get a little uncomfortable and go win a football game and fly back to California. Yeah, I mean, John Lynch will have more heat than Kyle this season, but Kyle has got to make sure this team's scoring points. And I don't think it's going to be a week-to-week problem, but they might run into stuff. Yeah, they're back in the building. Jimmy Garoppolo is going to wear a knee brace next season. Every quarterback really does coming off ACL. It's not surprising news, but he's not the fastest guy to begin with. I'd probably put him in the top half of quarterbacks. He's really good at using his shoulders to avoid rushers. He's not someone you want scrambling. We're not going to harp on this all day, but I think the knee brace is a good thing because it, it makes him a little slower. It makes him more cautious. It makes him want to slide more, get down, take a sack. It's worth losing a football game for Jimmy G running out of bounds on third and seven than him risking getting injured and missing weeks. And this coaching point has to be instilled in him. And it's never been because he's always been the man at Eastern Illinois. He's been a backup in New England, hasn't played enough. So I think this ACL injury will scare him enough that he's not going to be free-willing. The knee brace will slow him down. He's been rehabbing a lot with your boy Jarek McKinnon, who might not be in the backfield as much as we thought because of Tevin Coleman. But yeah, those are the two major 49ers coming off injuries. Um, obviously, another big storyline coming out is DeForest Buckner's contract situation. You saw Demarcus Lawrence get five years, $105 million. I don't know if it's 40 or 50 million guaranteed, something like that. He said he's not in a rush to get anything done. There's been some trade rumors that if the 49ers take Quinn and Williams and he's really good, that the 49ers might be able to then trade DeForest Buckner. Why would you ever get rid of a top three player on your team? I have George Kittle at two, Jimmy Garoppolo at one. This is a building block you're not going to automatically replace in the draft. And sometimes you're going to have to pay him money. And I think he's going to be good up until his early 30s. You're going to get great years for DeForest Buckner when he's 27, 28, 29. I don't see this guy falling off athletically. He understands techniques. He's bigger than everyone. He's athletic. He's becoming a leader. Really under no circumstances would I trade DeForest Buckner. You want to draft and develop players. And this was a gift that Trent Baalke gave you. The 49ers didn't even pick DeForest Buckner, one of their best players. I don't get any logic at all of drafting Quinnen Williams as a DeForest Buckner replacement. Why are you... All right, draft another tight end as a George Kittle replacement too? Like, don't get rid of young talent. You want guys on your team for 10 years. You want more Joe Staley's. People get too obsessed with trading for picks at this time of year. It's, It's weird. Because a lot of picks don't pan out. Everyone thinks a draft pick is going to be good. Every comparison in these draft guys that are coming out, Dane Brugler, like everyone is compared to a really good player. That's not going to happen. Half of these players are going to suck. That's what the NFL draft is. Yeah, I'm, I'm never trading DeForest Buckner unless someone's giving me multiple first-round picks. And even then, like, it just doesn't set a good precedent. It would change the culture of the locker room if the 49ers traded DeForest Buckner. It, it's such a rumor that I... I know Kyle would not stand for that. You you keep your best players. That's how it goes. They get paid what they get paid. Everyone gets paid about the same. You got the new teammates also. It'll be interesting to see how they're mingling. D Ford, Quan Alexander will be rehabbing as well. And there's a chance he misses the first few weeks of the season. Guys get competitive. They get on a new team. They try and rush, rush and get on the field. That new training staff is going to have him on a close watch to make sure that he's completely fine. 
Yeah, I mean, during OTAs here, as they start to get on the practice field, and you have my boy Chris Biederman tweeting about stuff, and Mayoko and Barrows, all the good reporters out there, Jennifer Lee Chan. Let's see who's starting at corner. That's the biggest storyline in the spring here. Who is coming out of this foray? Is it Akilah Witherspoon, Jason Verrett, or the wild card, Tervarius Moore? Could he have come in and taken a big leap year two? It's possible. Remember, this time last year, Akilah Witherspoon was cocky, feeling himself. And he, he did have a better December and November, but at, a, at the same time, you know, I, I think the 49ers brought in Jason Verrett for a reason. They think he may start. I mean, there's a three man competition at second corner. Richard Sherman's obviously got one side, and then the other, that'll be the big position battle to monitor really all year. And I really don't want them to play musical chairs there. If they pick Witherspoon and he's getting burnt week one and two and they take him out, he's essentially done. He's never going to be able to recover from getting jerked around like this. Jason Verrett's the big gamble. They're going to take a corner in the fourth or fifth round. You also have DJ Reed, who played outside corner really damn well at Kansas State. And I know the 49ers get fixated on labeling people as a nickelback. If, if you're struggling all around and Verrett is not hitting... Witherspoon more like I would give DJ Reed a chance I really like this film he's a lot smaller of a corner he's not typically what they look for but he knows the position well he made a couple nice splash plays last season I don't think you can automatically rule him out and they played him some at safety too I mean good god every time we talk about the secondary it starts to make my blood boil they've they've mismanaged this thing luckily Richard Sherman should be a stabilizer but you're just gonna have that one side of the field be a question mark for most of the season. And yeah, I mean, where are they putting the safeties? I'm going to guess that Jimmy Ward starts a free safety. Tart starts at strong safety. And then Colbert's the backup to both. And Colbert has a chance to unseat both if he's really good. That would be my guess of what they do. I would already be starting Colbert at free safety over Jimmy Ward, but that's my guess. Um, So secondary, keep your eye on it. O-line, there's not really much competition. Everyone's locked in. Staley, Lakin Tomlinson, Weston Richburg, um, Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, and Mike Person at right guard. You still have Joshua Garnett on the team, but O-line's pretty set. Running backs, it's just too early to tell. It won't matter, even if they have a nice catch or anything. Like, Do not take any stock in what running backs do in OTAs. It's not real football. Maybe more of the wide receivers because it is kind of seven-on-seven. You can win routes. So if a receiver is showing out, that would be great. But yeah, I mean, football is back. The draft is next week. And the 49ers are going to add, hopefully, Nick Bosa, a really good wide receiver in round two, and some other players. There'll be a lot more to discuss. KJ Podcast, we are going to wrap up for the review the schedule, a couple storylines going on around the team. And you're listening to Blue Wire. Spread the word. Great conversations with investors, some accelerators in the Bay Area. We'll see. The the future looks really bright. I want to scale this team. I want to compete. I need you guys to share these podcasts with your friends. Honestly, copy and paste the link at the top right corner here, Spotify, iTunes, whatever app you're listening to, and send it to someone. Do it. All right, peeps. Talk to you later. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? 
Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.